0: Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author, Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Dr. Tim Jennings, the voice and creative power behind the Come and Reason ministry, interacts with people constantly. As you can imagine, he gets a lot of questions. Today, we're going to give him the opportunity to answer a few of them right here on the air. He joins us via Skype. Okay, Dr. Jennings, are you ready to attack some questions today? Let's do it. All right, here goes. Dr. Jennings, how can I
1: know God's will for my life? You know, that's a really great question. I get that a lot in my practice. And there are multiple ways God reveals his will to us. The typical way I get in my practice, though, is a person is asking God to reveal his will after they've already been ignoring Mm. his will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the first way God reveals his will to us is in his revealed word. He gives us the basic principles, the basic principles for life. For instance, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, you could say it another way. Thou shalt be faithful and love your spouse. Yeah. yeah, Okay, It's God's will that you love your spouse and treat your spouse as Christ treats us. That's God's will. Sometimes I have patients asking me because they found themselves attracted to somebody other than their spouse is it God's will for me to leave my spouse. How mm-hmm. can I know God's will? Wow. Well, you don't have to pray to know the will to a question like that because it's already been revealed. And what happens sometimes is people play tricks with themselves seeking to know God's will with something that has already been made plain. And God doesn't give special revelations things that have already been made plain. So you need to be very clear when you're asking to know God's will, has it already been made plain? Mm -hmm. So one way would be to know God's word where he has revealed his will for the basic principles and practices for a healthy living, both much of the physical principles of life, but also particularly the spiritual and relational principles of life have been made clear. But there are times when we don't know. For instance, you get a job offer in a different city. Mm -hmm. Is it God's will that I take this particular job, move to this particular city? In particular case of Abraham, God specifically called him to move, take on a particular job. David wanted to take on the job of building the temple. He thought it was going to be honoring the Lord, but then he got word from the Lord not to do that after he inquired of the Lord whether he should. And so sometimes things are not obvious from the word of God on a particular activity or action, and that's where we do pray with a humble heart, Lord, this looks good to me, like David in building the temple. I'd love to do this, Lord. I think I'm going to start doing this, Lord. If it's not your will, though, Lord, overrule, give me some insight or direction, shut the avenue of opportunity, let the job offer be rescinded. Et cetera, et cetera, Bring some action to bear that will make it clear to me that you want me to go a different direction. I've had prayers like that answered in my life and God answers prayers like that. And I can look back on my life and see those examples where I've put it in his hands and he has answered that prayer. Sometimes the answer to prayer is to do nothing. Paul asked God to answer the prayer to heal him multiple, multiple times. And God, of course, did not, and eventually, in that particular case, informed Paul to quit asking. (laughs) So, how do we know God's will? Study his word, understand his principles, and then specifically ask being open for God to reveal to you where he's leading.
0: All right. Sometimes, next question, sometimes I look at my life and think, there's no way God can save me. Yet, I hear about something called the assurance of salvation. Can I really have that?
1: So the assurance of salvation. So it really depends on the model that you're giving, okay? There are false gospels out there, false gospels that tell you, you can continue to live in sin, you continue to gamble, continue to cheat on your spouse, continue to be a hitman for the mafia, continue to live just as miserable life of sin you've ever lived, as long as you claim the legal blood of Jesus as your legal payment in heaven. And either, depending on the system that you're in, go to confession, regularly and tell the priest that you've done these sins and get the church to absolve you of them, or you've confessed and claimed the blood of Jesus. And so once saved, always save. And it doesn't matter what you do. See, those typical systems do not bring genuine peace of heart because they're fraudulent and they're false. The person who persists in living outside of God's design, living out of harmony with God's plan for life, will continue to experience guilt and shame and conviction until they totally distort and sear their conscience where it's beyond feeling any guilt anymore Mm -hmm. because they're doing actual wrong. It would be like saying to the person who's touching a hot stove, I've asked my mother to forgive me for touching the hot stove. Why am I still feeling pain? Can't I have the assurance I won't feel pain next time I touch the hot Mm -hmm. stove? Okay, there is no assurance that you will have peace while doing wrong. Okay, there is the assurance that if you trust God, he will fix the brokenness in you and restore you to a right relationship with him and take out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh and write his law upon your heart. In other words, there's assurance that he will fix all that's broken in you if you trust him. That's the assurance. And as you trust him, then you trust him like you would your doctor and you follow his instructions, cooperating with him and embracing the directions and practices that he has given to you. So the, the, the way I would say it is that when we come to trust God, we trust him with our being to the point that we can say, you know, because life eternal says in scripture, this is life eternal. They might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom now is sent. When you know God, as Jesus revealed him to be for who he is, then you will know he is 100% on your side all the time, and loves you completely, but gives you complete freedom. So he will not prevent you from doing things that destroy you. He will only woo you, convict you, draw you, teach you, and beg you to let him heal you and change you. But if you refuse, he will let you go. But if you trust him for who he is, then you can have absolute certainty he will restore and heal you life eternal that they might know You're the only true God. And when you have that certainty, you can say like Jesus at the cross, Father, into your hands, I surrender my spirit. I surrender my being into your hands. And then you can really say, Father, I really want to be in heaven with you. I love you. I admire you. I just want to spend eternity with you. But if you know the universe would be better off without me, it's okay for you not to bring me. Mm. Mm -hmm. And if you trust him like that, you see, you have peace. You're not living in fear. You want to honor him with your complete being and you follow where he's leading. But much of Christianity teaches a fear-based self-centeredness where it's all about me and making sure that I've got my legal rights covered and I've got the blood claiming my payment so that I can be sure and get to heaven. So when I get there, I've got my ticket because I got the blood price paid. This is very self-centered and the heart often is not changed in those theologies.
0: All right. Today's program is Q&A with Dr. J, and we're coming to our next question here. And, listener, I know that a lot of us are asking this kind of question, so I'll share it with you right here. Dr. Jennings, is there such a thing as truth? Isn't truth different for everyone based on their personal perceptions
1: of reality? No that's a great question because you hear this today that's your truth that's my truth right, and right, and so right. forth but that's not no there are absolute truths out there and I tell people to start with how reality works design laws the laws upon which reality work and then move from there to Truths, there are historical truths, there are mathematical truths. It's true that the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor December 7, 1941. It's a historical truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those truths are true. And then there are truths about your experience, but your experience may not be telling you the truth. For instance, a person may say, It's true that I feel like, okay. And it's true yeah, that's what they feel yeah, like, but that doesn't yeah. mean that feeling is true. Okay. So, a classic example for anybody, you can be in an airplane and feel like the plane is turning. Yeah, it's yeah, true that I feel like the plane is turning, yeah, yeah. but that's why they have instruments, because in the airplane, not being on the ground, your inner ear that gives you that sensation of motion can give you a false sensation because of centrifugal force and other forces, and you can feel like you're turning when you're not. So it's true you feel that way. Well, how about it's true that I feel like this person is the right person, my life partner for me, the one I should marry. I feel like that. It's true you feel that way, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true that they are that person for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, So when you come to understanding are there genuine truths, there are truths, but there are truths on how reality works, truths of God's existence, truth of of his goodness, truth of uh, the historical Jesus Christ who came and lived a sinless life and who died in order to provide what's necessary for our salvation, truths about God's laws upon which reality operate. And there's the truth that all human beings are created equal equal in moral worth. But that truth gets turned into a lie by modern society. Because we're all created equal, then here's the lie. We all have equal abilities. Hmm. No, we don't. We have different abilities. Women have the ability to get pregnant. Men don't. That's a different ability. It's not worth more or less. It's just different. And there are other differences in abilities. In general, male brains process information and how female brains process information. And they're they're different in that way because God's design is that the two shall become one. Mm -hmm. And as the two come into the unity of a marital love and, and other centeredness, where they have the best in heart for each other, the two join themselves and become more and can achieve more and can experience more than either one can by themselves. That's part of God's design. That's how love works. But what happens is the truth that we have equal moral worth gets turned into a lie that we have equal abilities amongst all people, and we don't, and therefore then we try to legislate through government programs equal outcomes, and what the government should simply provide is equal opportunity for us to apply our different abilities, but not demand everybody have equal function.
0: Okay, all right. All right, I think we have, yeah, we have three minutes left here. One more is a is a natural disaster, like an earthquake, a flood, or hurricane, etc. Is
1: that a punishment from God? You heard, you heard people say, that's an act of God. Is, is that true? So this is a really interesting one, because throughout history, we have places where we can find, uh, in the Bible record, where God has specifically acted to bring certain things about. Mm-hmm. But we also have described where God restrains his action, and as he pulls back his protective hand, damaging things happen. In the book of Job, God removes his restraining hand, and then natural disasters happen that damage uh, and kill Job's kids and his flocks and so forth. It's attributed to God doing it when it was not God doing it. God removed a protective hand. We see the same thing in ancient Israel when they were worshiping and and the scorpions came in and causes God's protective hand was removed. But we also see in the plagues of Egypt where God specifically acted to— Bring certain natural disasters, if you will, to bear the hail and the and the frogs and the plagues and so forth. But these were designed to specifically expose the falsehood of the pagan gods that were being worshipped, and these were not punishments to cause people suffering. They were designed to bring truth and evidence to bear to free hearts and minds from worshipping false gods and turn hearts and minds to the true God for healing and salvation. So depending on how you understand the event, people can misperceive what's transpiring and attribute to God as punishing or inflicting harm when he's acting therapeutically, as in the case of the 10 plagues. Yeah, you give an example of this when uh, a, a parent treats
0: a child physically roughly, and that roughness is to save his life, grab him, get him out of the way of danger, and it would seem like someone would see that, boy, that parent is mistreating that child, when actually that parent
1: is trying to save that child's life, right? That's exactly right. So you can't take the act itself, a storm, an earthquake, large hail. You can't take the act itself and ascribe without any other variables, is God punishing or is God therapeutically acting or is God simply stepping back and giving people freedom to reap what they've chosen to be separate from him? It requires more information than just the act itself. All right. Very good. Comeandreason.com is the website.
0: Listener, I invite you to stop by there. There's a brand new product out there. It is Dr. Jennings' paraphrase of the Psalms, and it is beautiful. What it does is make sure that the perspective that we see through David, through Dr. Jennings and David's partnership there on the Psalms, we see the true God, the, the God of love, the God of forgiveness, the God of tolerance, the God of endless power to save. That's who you'll see. And I invite you to go to comeandreason.com and check out that product, as well as the radio programs and the blogs and the television programs and the books, lots of books there that Dr. Jennings has made available all at comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings, Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time
1: we come and reason together.